love your energy and lack thereof. <laughs> hey, um, real quick before we get into everything tonight, I just want to make sure in case you uh, weren't here, we got a couple of announcements coming up, some of the mark your calendar stuff. And so um, February 7th, say February 7th, we are kicking off the next semester of small groups. So we want to encourage you guys all to be there. We got some cool activities planned out. And we're going to be letting you know in the next couple of weeks. And so be on alert for that. Also, if you notice in that video, there's some snippets of last year's Spring Breakaway. Reason we're showing you that is because Spring Breakaway this year, registration is going to be opening up in February as well. And so we want you guys to start registering yourselves. And like I said, there's huge perks for the first small groups to fully register. You're going to get points for a number of things. And so we really want to encourage you. I believe God's going to do something great. I believe it's going to be one of our bigger ones ever. And, and I know God is willing to do it if we're willing to show up. And so make sure you take every opportunity to do that. And there's a lot of benefits if you come early and register. Amen? Amen. So we've been in this series, uh, 2020 Vision, right? And we wanted you to see clearly what we value and what we think is important here at Excel and as a ministry and some of the more fundamental things that we want each of you to have in your life spiritually. And so if you remember the first night, what did we talk about? Reading your Bible. Good job. And then last week, what did we talk about? Prayer. And so tonight is actually one of, uh, one of the things that wasn't originally on my heart when, we, when I first got hired. This is something that over the years God began to convict me of. And help me understand that this is of vital importance for this generation and all future generations to really understand. And tonight I want to talk to you about the word generosity. Now, generosity is a hard thing for a lot of people to grasp or to fully understand. But I want you guys to grow up and learn to be generous people. Generous with your time. Generous in your efforts. To be a people who are willing to give. And the problem is we live in such a time and we live even in a country where, you know, we'd run over our own mother if it meant going advancing in our own lives. And we have to be careful because more and more this culture is telling you, hey, get yours. You know, don't worry about anybody else. Do what's best for you. Grow, grow, advance. Do what you got to do to get bigger, stronger, better. And, you know, do whatever it takes, even if it means hurting other people, even if it means bringing other people down. But I don't think that's what God ever intended for us. I think God at his heart wanted us to be generous. Now, one of the areas that we struggle with the most as a humanity when it comes to generosity is finances. Money is a hard thing to be generous with. Like, I'll show up and help you, but I won't give you money. <laughs> right? And there's a reason, I think, that the Bible, if you study it, the Bible talks more, especially Jesus, more about money than he did about love. And I think the reason he does that is because he understands that sometimes the struggle is you love money more than you love God. And so I have to address the, the other mistress in the room. I have to address the thing that's taking your attention away from me. And oftentimes that's money. And so part of where the Lord began to convict me was help me understand that, hey, this is an area that if you don't help them win this battle, It'll win them over for the rest of their lives. Think about it like this. If you want to just talk about how deep the root of money is, right? And mind you, the Bible says that money in and of itself is not evil, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So it's not saying that money in and of itself, I like money, I wish I had more money. But I'm not saying that that in and of itself is evil. But when you love money more than you love God, when money becomes your favorite thing. And I remember my friends growing up, I'd tell them, hey, you want to go to church with me? And literally one friend looked at me and goes, nah, bro, I worship the almighty dollar. And I was like, gee, that's a sad way. Like I cringed. I was like, oh, that's, Lord, don't hit him with lightning. Like I just felt really bad for a moment. But think about this. Money's the reason that you have a drug cartel all over the world, right? People that are being murdered and mass murders over what? Drug money. Money's the reason why gangs have often destroyed our city. It's not because they're protecting a block. They're protecting their money. Money is the reason that sex trafficking is a multi-billion dollar industry throughout the entire world. Why parents sell their five-year-olds into sex slavery because they don't have enough money. Like money becomes this area that often controls your heart and controls your actions. 
And so when the Lord began to work on me with that, he helped me to understand, listen, this is something that we need to teach. This is something that we need to understand, that in order to combat the love of money, in order to combat greed and pride, the answer oftentimes is generosity. See, if I'm willing to give it away, it doesn't control me, I control it. If I'm willing to be generous, if, if I have a heart of generosity, if I take on the mentality that even what I have, I'm willing to give, then it no longer has me. This is why here at Excel, we've chosen to make Speed the Light a fundamental thing, what we do as a youth ministry. It's not because it's the greatest organization ever or it's, it's something unique and different. There's plenty of great nonprofits that you can give to. But from the Assemblies of God, one of the collective things that the youth ministries have all decided to do was give towards missions through Speed the Light. Speed the Light offers transportation, information for missionaries all across the world to present the gospel. And so I'll tell you, one of the greatest joys is since we decided to make generosity a priority here at Excel, we've raised over $30,000 for Speed the Light and for missionaries. That's more than we've ever done in the history of our youth ministry. Actually, the first year we did three times more than we'd ever done in our previous time. Now, the problem is we can easily go, well, we did our part. We did it, right? Now, now we can go back to not doing it. But I want you to understand it is not about your money. It's about your heart. It's about understanding the importance of generosity. And I have uh, great plans for this year. The Lord has really put on our hearts. Just to give you a little snippet, um, my wife has taken it upon herself to make Speed the Light her baby. And so this is kind of like her full-time ministry now that she's going to be focusing in on, uh, working with our different missionaries and coming up with plans. We have all types of really cool plans and events. Uh, FYI, if you are interested in being more involved specifically with missions and Speed the Light, or if you're in this room and you feel that God has called you to missions, I want to encourage you in the next few months, especially as my wife starts coming back, uh, contact her, connect with her, because she's starting to build a team of people that she wants to uh, give some of these responsibilities to. FYI, this also includes a future missions trip. And so if you want to be able to go on that kind of mission trip, that's the ministry that you want to get involved in. But I love all these ideas. I love all these plans. But one of the things my wife and I understood is we can come up with all the plans and all the campaigns and all these things we want to. But if God hasn't given you a heart of generosity, then the plans will never happen. And so I want to talk to you tonight about generosity. And, and here's the verse that the Lord gave me to kind of spark this. And, and I think it's extremely fitting for you and I. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Listen to what this says. It says, since you oh, excel in so many ways, right? Since you do really good in so many things, in your faith, man, you guys excel in your faith, in your gifted speakers, right? Your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us. He said, listen, you guys do great in all these things. You excel in all these areas. I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. Hey, excel, you do great in so many areas, right? You guys have great energy. Anytime we go and we get together with other youth ministries, I can spot Excel, not just because you're the only brown ones, but because you got energy, you got enthusiasm, you bring a fire to it. You guys have, have such giftings and talents and abilities. I mean, I love this youth ministry. But can I challenge you, with all the gifts you have, would you be willing to be generous to? Would you be willing to learn to be gracious in your giving. And so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to juxtapose. I can never say that word right. We're going to compare two stories in the Bible. We're going to look at a story in the Old Testament and kind of support it in the New Testament. And so if you have the Bibles, we're going to be looking at 1 Kings chapter 17. And let me set this up real quick. 1 Kings chapter 17 tells us about the prophet Elijah. Now, Elijah, uh, he had just gone through some intense stuff. Um, this is the same Elijah who prays for no rain. And the Bible tells us that for three years, there's no rain. And this is right about that season that that happened. Now, Elijah had gone through some stuff up until this point. Elijah had challenged the prophets of Baal. These were uh, prophets that worshipped a false god who were overrun by a queen who was an evil queen. And he steps up. He's like, man, your God is phony. My God's the only real God. And he challenges them. And he deals with it, man. I mean, he does some really cool miracles. And then he destroys. He kills the, all the prophets of Baal. 
But then Jezebel, the queen, gets mad, and she wants to kill him, and he freaks out, and he goes into a little bit of a depression, becomes suicidal. And then God kind of brings him out of that time, and he feeds him, and he provides for him. And then the Bible says that that season was over, and God spoke to him, and he tells him what to do next. And he goes, hey, now I want you to move to this other town, this, this other area. And I want you to, to see what goes on in this part. This is 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8 through 16. It says, then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. And I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and he arrived at the gates of the village. He saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I, ha I don't have a single piece of bread in my house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil at the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then me and my son will die. Now let me just pause just so you don't think she's exaggerating. Because of this uh, lack of rain, there is a famine in the land. And so the famine means there's no food. This isn't like today where you can just go to a grocery store and get food. There is no food. So uh, not only is this poor woman poor, but she can't even get food. And all of a sudden he goes, hey, can I get a cup of water? And she's like, straight, we can get water. Even though it's uh, right, the famine, there hasn't been a lot of rain, probably not a lot of water. But she's willing to give the water. And he's like, yo, can I get a little, you know, bolillo too? You got some bread I can eat? And she's like, dang. Listen, I ain't even going to lie to you, dude. I, I swear. I ain't got nothing. Me and my son, we just had a little bit left. It was enough to make our last meal, and then we're literally just going to wait to die. Like, talk about being in a real desperate situation. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your container until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So God multiplied this little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and there was enough every day to provide food for him until the famine was over. All because she was willing to be gracious in her giving because she was willing to be generous. Now, as I read that story, I, I thought to myself, there's a number of excuses that you and I could look at in this story and go, that's a good excuse. That's a good reason for her not to give. And it's a reason I think we often give ourselves when we are challenged by the Lord to give, when we're challenged by God to be generous. We, we quickly come up with reasons why we can't be. We quickly come up with reasons why we can't give that amount and say, yeah, I just, I, I can't because X, Y, Z, and I can't because, I'd like to, but, and we have all these excuses. And so I'd like to take a few minutes to look at some of these excuses that this widow has, or if I can even say some of the reasons why she can't be generous and see if maybe we can relate to that. The first one that I noticed is the Bible is clear. She was very poor. Now, again, moment of transparency. Part of why we never made missions giving a priority in the years past, and this is obviously before many of you even came to Excel, but in the years past, why we didn't make uh, missions giving a priority, if I can be really transparent, was because we thought you're poor Chicago kids and we don't want to ask you for more. Some of you, you have a single parent. Some of you are living on government. Some of you, uh, you know, you, you were barely able to make ends meet. You're, you're wearing the sixth generation hand-me-down. I get it. I wore my sister's jeans. It happens. Like, I understood that. But I'll tell you this. I remember in years past, none of my youth, even when I was a youth at Excel, even when I was a leader at Excel, none of the youth pastors before me ever challenged it. They never asked Excel to give. And I've said this a number of times. I remember on one occasion being at Momentum, which many of you guys were at, and remember how we got that envelope? Man, you guys gave like almost three grand in that envelope. I remember uh, they, I had the envelope. I was a leader, and I went to the pastor. Hey, so what do you want to do with this? And his instructions were just throw it out because we, we weren't going to ask you to give. And I think 
part of the mentality was, well, you're just poor kids from Chicago. And I can tell you, I started taking offense to that. I was being offended because I'm thinking, I'm a kid from Chicago. I can do anything any of these other kids can do. You ever had that where, like, somebody tells you you can't do something, and you're like, really? Bet. Like, you know, I got that. Some of us are like, yeah, I can't. But there's a few of us that are like, oh, for real? Now I'll show you. Like, and it could be the dumbest thing. I bet you can't stand on your head forever. I bet you I can. And you'll just try it because it's like, don't tell me what I can't do. And I remember thinking, and you may not know this, I'm the only youth pastor that I can think of that has ever been on staff at this church who is actually from Chicago. Everybody else was from outside of our state. And I remember thinking, maybe y'all didn't think we could do it, but I'm going to believe they can. Because there was a part of me that felt like I was still sitting in that seat. And I remember thinking as a pastor how offended I would be as a student if they didn't think I could do something and therefore didn't challenge me to do it. I don't ever want you to look at yourself as poor because poverty is as much a mentality as it is a reality. <laughs> and oftentimes, he, here's the deal. This woman was poor, like really poor, like couldn't afford the R poor, right? That's how poor she was. Just to give you context, a widow, if you look in the Bible, was oftentimes used to describe a really poor person because in those days, it wasn't like a, a woman could just, you know, independently go out and get a job, not in that culture, not in that situation. And so if she lost her husband, she lost her source of income. She had to rely on the generosity of other people for the most part. So if she had a child to feed, it's not like she can go get a part-time job. This woman was already poor. On top of that, it was a famine. And during a time of famine, everybody's broke. So even if, if the richest man was rich, he was still poor compared to everything else because all the goods have dried up. All the commerce has dried up. And so right off the bat, everybody's broke. So her brokenness just went a lot lower than it normally was. As a matter of fact, she was so poor she couldn't even afford firewood, which most people at that time at least had because even though it's a famine, uh, you know, and you don't have a lot of water and maybe you don't have a lot of crops, you still got trees. <laughs> All right? the, the, tree didn't affect, the famine didn't affect the trees. You can cut a tree down, but she didn't even have firewood. That's why the Bible tells us she was in the streets looking for sticks on the ground to use for firewood. She was very, very poor. Listen to me. You're not that poor. By virtue of living in this country, you're already richer than the majority of it. The majority of the world has an income of less than $2 a day. You waste a month's salary sometimes on McDonald's after school. All right, some of you spend that on cookies at lunch. Like, be careful of saying, well, I'm broke, I'm poor. No, no, you ain't that poor. You got clothes on, some of you got some nice shoes on. Some of you got, how many in this room, raise your hand if you got a cell phone. Okay, you're not poor. You got data plans. You got, you got all, you got stuff. Be careful not to get stuck into this mentality. Well, I can't give because we're broke. No, you can't give because you're cheap. Cheap and broke are different. You know what I'm saying? Cheap and broke are different. There's a lot of people with money who cheap. And there's a lot of rich, poor people because they're generous. Listen, you got to be willing, even what you got. To be willing to give. 2 Corinthians, if I can go into that story. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, here Paul is, is talking to the church in Corinthians and he's trying to encourage them to give. Again, they have some of these same mentalities, some of these same excuses. And in order to help them to give, he tells them about a, a smaller church that's really in a poor situation who, who didn't have a lot of money. And he's going, guys, you don't even know. Y'all ain't poor compared to this other church. This other church, they're really poor. And listen to what he says. It says they're being tested, they're talking about the other church, by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with the abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they give not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it from their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. What is he saying? Guys, this other church was very poor. But all they wanted to do was beg for the opportunity to give like everybody else. They didn't 
They didn't have much, but they gave what they had. And they did it not because they felt guilty or they felt an obligation, but because they felt the joy of being able to participate in giving. Listen, giving is not just handing somebody money, okay? It's a heart attitude. This is what we want you to teach and unlearn and understand. I don't ever want you to give because you feel like Pastor Joey was twisting your arm or everybody else is doing it, so you got to do it. No, no, you give out of your heart. If the Lord is pressing on you to do it, then you do it. If you feel that nudge, then you respond to that. But don't be someone who, who ignores that calling simply because you've believed this mentality that you can't afford to do it. Listen, the thing I love about Chicago is we're hustlers. I mean, flat out. You know we're hustlers. We got gifts, man. When we need to, we ain't afraid to go to Sam's Club and get a box of Skittles and hustle that at lunch, even though you're not supposed to. But everybody got a candy person at school. Everybody got a hookup in the locker. You got all types of candies. Got the off-brand candies. Got the new candies. I got the M&Ms inside. The Reese's don't even trip. I got all that stuff for you. We know how to hustle. We know how to be able to, to get advanced and, and, and to get the things that we need to get. What I'm saying is you're good at that when it's about what you want. But can you be good at that when it's about what God wants? Can you have the same kind of hustle when God is calling you to give it away once you get it? See, that's the beauty of what we want to do here behind Speed the Light is that it's not about you. It's about God. And it's about the people that we're able to reach through our giving. And so we give in generosity and in love, even if I never see the receipts, even if I never see the impact, I give because I know the one that I'm giving to. Does that make sense? Help me, Chicago, help me to never allow yourself to believe you're poor because we serve the God of the universe who is richer than anything you've ever experienced. And you are his sons and daughters. You will never be poor. Financially, you might struggle every now and then. You might have to eat some ramen and some, you know, hot dog with eggs. It's a good meal. I enjoyed it growing up. I think it slaps. But you might feel different about it. Right? Spam and rice might not be good enough for somebody else, but for some of us, it's what's up. But don't think you're poor. And don't allow yourself. Because a poor mentality keeps you in one place. But if you can understand that I am able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than I ever thought or imagined because of Christ Jesus, that stuff transfers into every part of your life. You know, I, I, I always laugh about this, but I'm just, I made eye contact with Valley. Valerie, she's done a lot for Speed Delight in the last few years. And I was talking to my wife about this because she's somebody who wants to join my wife's team and they're already coming up with plans and ideas. And I laughed because I remember when Valerie first came and she was a little kid, and I asked her, what do you want to do with your life? Usually the first response was, I want to be a beautician. I want to do hair and makeup. I go, that's cute. You got nice hair and makeup, so I see that. But as she began to be generous, she started to realize, man, I have a gift for administration. I have a gift for business. Like she, she made all those sweatshirts that Bella's wearing right now, and she got them all done in, in Guatemala and drawn up. And she, I mean, she did this mad hustle. And then she started to realize, maybe this can be what God's called me to do. She didn't change her mind. God changed her heart. And as God changed her heart, it changed her mentality. Now she may not be a beautician. Maybe she'll just own a bunch of beautician stores and run that spot. You see what I'm saying? I, I want you to understand that what God is beginning to do in you in generosity spills over into the rest of your life. So be careful with assuming I can't because I'm poor. You're only as poor as you think you are. Now here's the truth. That woman... She was poor. You know, that wasn't a mentality. That was a reality. She was poor. And the truth is, if you're taking notes, she didn't have much. Now, I love that we dream big, but you also got to understand where you're at. You can't invest $1,000 you don't have, right? It's just sometimes you got to understand, man, this is all I have. And, and sometimes we feel like, well, since I don't have a lot, I, I don't want to give because, oh, that's great. She gave $1,000. He gave $1,500. And I just got $2. That's not going to make a difference. Well, it's $2 more than we had. Listen, if everybody here gave $2 a week, right, just $2 a week in a year, 
we'd have gotten like almost $15,000 on two bucks, right? That little bit adds up. And it adds up to do what God called us to do. And, and if you look at the reality of this widow situation, she only had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And what does Elijah say? Well, don't be afraid. Do what you were going to do. But just make me a little bread first. In other words, take what you have and give me a little bit. And God is telling us the same thing. He's like, listen. I'm not asking for everything. I'm asking for a little bit of what you already have in your hands. So be careful not to worry about what you don't have to give and focus on what you do have. Some of us are like, yeah, but I can't design sweatshirts and do all that stuff. Well, who cares? I'm not asking you to do that. Julian, you still play ball? You half decent? You make a couple buckets? What's your average game? Maybe 10 points? Let's just give you a nice little round number. Okay, what if you say, hey, I'm going to talk to my uncle. And, and Theo, would you spot me for every shot I make? Five bucks. And it's all going to go towards missions. What if you just got ten people to spot you a dollar for every shot you make and you made ten shots? What's the math, Jonathan? Ten people, a dollar a shot, he makes ten shots. You made a hundred bucks on one game. Did you even have to do anything different? You were going to do that anyways. Matter of fact, you might play better that game. Because now you know you got something on the line. Here's my point. My point is you don't got to always go out of your way. Use what God has given you. If God's already given you an ability, if God's already given you a talent, if God's already provided for you, use that and just use it for his glory instead of for your vanity. Like you're already doing these things. Right? Some of y'all, what's that Visco girl thing? Some of y'all already on TikTok way too much. Man, TikTok your way to generosity. <laughs> You making dumb videos anyways, be like, da, da, da. now give. <laughs> like, like, I mean, just do, do something. If you're already going to do it, do something. God wasn't asking this woman to go out and buy a cow and cut it up and butcher it. Right? He wasn't asking her to, to go and do some extraordinary effort. He said, listen, just give me a little bit of what you got. Stop worrying about what you don't have and look at what God's given you already. Look at the giftings God. Some of you, listen. It's, some of you can braid hair. Braid hair. Hey, listen, I'm going to braid your hair for five bucks. I'm, I'm doing self-remission. Some of you, um, you know, you, you, you're good at taking pictures. Hey, listen, uh, prom's coming up. I'm going to do some photo shoots, and, and I'm going to just charge some money for the photo. I'm already going to take your picture anyways, but would you be willing to give? And listen, I'll tell you this. People are more willing to pay you if they know the money's not going to you and it's going to something good. If you tell them it's not for me, I'm, I'm, I'm giving at my church. We're, we're providing for girls that are in sex trafficking. We're providing for water at wells. We're, we're trying to, to help this world, and, and I'm just trying to do my part. Would you, would you be willing to sponsor it? Yeah, no problem. Use the gifting that you have. Use the abilities that you have. Don't worry about what you don't have. Listen, going back to that church in 2 Corinthians, he goes, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, it doesn't matter what you give, it's how you give it. So if it's only a dollar, but you're giving it happily and you're giving it generously, God is pleased with it. Right? But if you're like, yo, I got 10 grand, but I'm going to give you a buck. God's like, really, dude? Okay. <laughs> Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So don't worry about what you don't have. Don't worry if you don't got a million dollars to give. God's not asking that. If you give eagerly, according to what you have, you're fine. There's another story in the Bible where Jesus uh, is, it's not even a story, it's just what happened. Jesus is standing at the front where the, they would give the offering, and he's watching people give. And he notices this other little old widow, and she comes up, and she only gives two coins. And Jesus makes the remark, that lady gave more than everybody else in the room. Because she gave a lot of what she had. God doesn't count the number, right? He's not sitting there going, yeah, he gave 100 and she only gave a dollar. He's going, no. She gave a lot from what she had. And I noticed that. I love the fact that Jesus was standing there watching them give because it reminds me, Jesus cares. He notices these things. Now, is this going to cost you your salvation if you do or don't? No, don't get me wrong. Okay? You're, you're not going to heaven or hell depending on how much you give. That's just not how God operates. Your salvation was 100% free. It has nothing to do with that. But this is a good indicator of your heart. It is a good reminder of where your heart is. 
She had every reason, right? She was very poor, and she didn't have much to give. And I think the biggest reason, she had other priorities, greater priorities. What's her greater priority? Me and my son are going to die. <laughs> this is our last meal. And sometimes, if we're honest, when we think about giving, it's like, man, I, I want to give, but, man, I just got so many other things that I got to pay for. I got so many other priorities. There's just, there's just some bigger issues. I got to pay for, for my classes. I got to pay for graduation. I got to pay for these pictures. I got to pay for prom. I got to pay uh, for my family. You know, like, I work a job because I got to help my mom with the bills, and we don't make enough, and I got to be able to cover for myself, and I got to be able to pay for my own lunches because we don't, I mean, there's all, I get it, Pastor. I, I want to but I I got I got other priorities I don't think any of your priorities though was greater than this lady she just wants to provide one last meal for her and her son before they die she's just saying listen you're gonna rob our last meal and Elijah's saying don't worry because I promise you this if you trust and obey God you'll never run out there's going to be moments, and this is where we go from giving to sacrificial giving. Some giving is easy because it doesn't cost you anything. If you found a buck on the floor and you put that in the offering, did it really cost you anything? No, you found it on the floor anyway. Right? There's some things are easy to do. But when you work, when you strive, and then God says, hey, listen, give me that. When you feel like you don't have a lot left or you're down to your last thing, and God says, hand it to me. There's a part that's like, yeah, God, I, I, I can't do that, bro. And this is part of the biggest fear because here's what happens. This is the reality of the situation. God, I want to. I just don't trust you enough. That's literally, that's what it is. I want to because if I give this to you, then I won't have this. As if God won't provide for your needs. Now, may not always provide for your wants, you know, some of you are like, yeah, I just, I need $400 for a class ring that I'll never wear after high school, ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Enjoy it. Right? We got to understand, God will take care of you. Because there's no greater priority to God than you. You might have greater priorities on your mind. But you got to remember that you're his greatest priority on his mind. And God will take care of you. God will provide for you. That's why if I go back to 2 Corinthians 8, 5, and we read this a little bit earlier, it says, they even did more than we had hoped when they were giving. Why? Because their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. Just as God wanted them to. God wants your trust. And sometimes that's why he needs your money. And by that, does God need money? No. Right? Streets are gold. He literally drives on your money. He doesn't care about your money. Okay? It's not about the physical money. It's about your heart. And God's saying, I can't have your heart if the fear of losing this money or fear of providing for that. If money has your heart, then I don't. And so what does it say? Why was this church of Macedonia willing to give so much? Because the first thing they gave was their heart. And because God had their heart, anything else he asked was easy. See, when God has your heart, generosity is not something you have to work at really hard. It's just what you do. As a matter of fact, when God has your heart, here, if I can be honest, my biggest struggle is giving too much at times. Because I'm like, is that God or is that just me? Because if it was up to me, I'd be like, yeah, I'm just going to get, hey, this guy's out. I'm just going to, yeah, I'll just give him some money. Literally today, I was tempted to give someone $600. I'm like, I don't know if I can do that, God. Is that you, God? Like, I was in prayer. I'm like, Lord, like, it's not like I just got money like that. I just got a new baby. I'm trying to feed this child. Like, she eats a lot. And so, you know, there's struggles oftentimes that we battle with. But what is God saying? Give me your heart. Because if I have your heart, I have everything. Then you don't have to give money away because God ends up being the one that does it. He's the one that leads you through it. She had greater priorities. But remember that God's greatest priority is you. Now, here's the interesting part if you kind of go through this story. All this goes down, and the Bible says that they had plenty to eat throughout the entirety of the famine. And then the famine ends. And I want you to notice what happens in the story as it picks up in verse 17. 
It says, sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she said to Elijah, oh, man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and he laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, oh, Lord, my God. Why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he was revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, Now I know for sure that you're a man of God, and that the Lord truly speaks through you. Cat, worship team, if you can help me out. Think about this. Just to give you context, this woman wasn't a believer. She wasn't part of the people of God. This town was a town of Gentiles. They were unbelievers. It's not like God led him to a Christian widow. She didn't believe in God. That's why if you notice in the beginning, she goes, I swear by your God. She's like, I have respect for your faith, but I don't have that same faith. She says, I swear by your God. And then God provides miraculously, right? She gave generously. She trusted in this man and his God, and God provided miraculously. And she saw the miracle happen every day. And then a few years later, her son still ends up dying. And she thinks, dude, did you come to... to Bring my sins against me and kill my son? And Elijah, obviously, as you read, goes up and prays out to the Lord and the son's life comes back. I think it's interesting because that woman was literally on her day of her last meal. She's collecting fireworks. She realized today is the last meal that me and my son will share and then we'll both die. And she gives generously to a stranger, a man she's never met who serves a God she doesn't believe in. You think she knew in that moment that years later when her son would contract an illness and actually die, that it would be that man who would bring her son back to life? See, here's the thing with generosity. Generosity always has a way of coming back around to you. You can never outgive God. You can never put yourself in a position where you've given God more than he's ever given you. Generosity has a way of always coming back around. See, this whole sermon was sparked from a conversation I was having with my mother the other day. My mom almost every day will come to our house and she'll have her her Josie time where she'll just pick up the baby and she'll hold her. And it's perfect because my wife gets to take a nap or eat and And it's just basically me and my mom hanging out with my daughter just talking. I've loved these hours that I get to just spend with my mom. And so the thing I like to do, I like to ask her questions. And what was it like, mommy? And and how was it when you were a kid? And I just love to know all the things about my mom. My mom's in her 70s, and I know she's getting older. I know she doesn't have many years left. And so I want to have these conversations with her. And so she told me a story I never heard about. She said when she was a little girl, there was a, a family that lived down the road. And it was a a wife, her husband, and a son. The husband and son were drunks. They wasted all their money on drinking. The wife would always kick them out of the house because it was better if they were drunk away from the house than in her house. But every morning, that lady would show up at my mother's house. And she would ask my grandmother, do you have any leftover food from last night? And my grandmother would give her a a couple of tortillas and, and maybe some leftover beans or whatever they made. And you got to understand, like, this is way back in the 50s in, in, in the part of Mexico where my family didn't have running water. They didn't have a, a plumbing. They didn't have a toilet. Like, they didn't have refrigerators. They, they were not rich. They were poor by our context. But by the grace of God, my mother's family at least always had enough money to eat. Even if it wasn't a lot, even if it was just, you know, some beans and tortillas, they ate. Even if it was just cheese and some chile, they ate. And it started to, to go where my grandmother would, would separate some of the leftover tortillas that usually would go and feed the cows on the ranch that they had. But she would separate it for this woman in the morning. And 
Every morning this woman would come. Sometimes my grandma wouldn't have tortillas, and she would give her some peanuts and some seeds that they would collect, and she'd give her that, or she'd give her a little block of cheese because they always made cheese, and so she'd give her some cheese. The point is, whatever she could give, my grandma just always gave her every day, every day, 6 a.m., she would knock on the door, and every day my grandmother would give her something. And one day my mom just goes, why do you keep helping that lady? Like, she got a family. She got a husband. It's not our fault that they're drunks and they waste their money. Why do you keep helping that lady? Just tell her to go somewhere else. She always comes to you. Every day she comes to you. Tell her to go somewhere else. And my grandmother just looked at her and said, sweetie, if anybody ever needs to eat, you feed them. It's funny. I didn't think about it till now, but in my house, we didn't have a lot growing up. But we always had food. And I don't know if it's a Hispanic thing or a Chicago thing, but we always fed people in my home. Even if it was some of my food, we'd always give it to people. And my friends would come over. Some of my friends had rough situations, and they knew if I went to Joey's house, we'd have food. And, and I'm thinking about it now, and that had to have come from that situation. My grandmother was trying to teach my mom a lesson in that moment, but I'll tell you, my mom didn't get it until a little bit later. My grandmother at this moment was pregnant. And my mom, she had seven siblings, and so there was a lot of them. She was pregnant with her youngest one, or with the new baby, when her youngest child, who was about three, four years old, suddenly died. In the middle of the night, he told them that he had an earache, something was hurting, and my grandfather took him to the doctor in town, and then the next morning came back without him, and he died overnight. We don't really know what happened. They assume maybe something bit him in the middle of the night, and he got poisoned, and who knows really what went down? But the point is, this three-year-old just died. My grandmother is pregnant, got seven, eight other children to take care of, and was completely destroyed, completely wrecked. But you know what? At 6 a.m., that lady showed up, and she bathed every one of my mom's brothers and sisters and her. She took care of the entire funeral. She fed everybody. She washed my grandmother. And for months, every day at 6 a.m., that lady would come and take care of my family. My grandma had no clue. She didn't know that this woman that she was giving some cheese and peanuts to on a regular basis would be the only person to come and take care of her. Her mother-in-law didn't take care of her. Her sister didn't take care of her. It was the lady down the street that she fed every day just a little bit who when she needed somebody the most in her most difficult situation, think about it, you just lost a child, you're raising seven, eight other ones, your husband is on the ranch most week, he can't take care of you. This woman comes. And she provides and she takes care of her and she loves her. Because my grandmother loved her by giving her something to eat every day. You never know how this comes back around to you. You never understand the way God works in these miracles. And you might be thinking, yeah, I'm just giving a little bit to somebody that I'll never meet. But trust me when I tell you, you will never outgive God. If you're willing to trust him and you're willing to obey. See, right now you may have a lot and they may not have much, but there may be a season where they have a lot and you don't have much. But are you willing to trust God where you're at now? Even if you never see it later on. So here's how we're going to close. I'm going to ask the guys if they can bring up this whiteboard. And I'm going to ask you to stand for me real quick. Last week we talked about prayer, and so I'm hoping you don't forget your lesson. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take a few minutes tonight. If you want to walk around, if you want to move, whatever you want to do, I just ask that you don't talk. And listen, if you're new here, if you're, if you're not part of this family or this is all new, don't worry about any of this. But I really want to talk to the family tonight. So those of you who consider this your home. This year, I, I believe God's going to do miraculous things with our generosity. But I don't want you to give because you felt guilt tripped or, or you just happened to it. Now here's the thing about giving. Giving doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a few minutes and I want you to pray. 
really pray. And I want you to ask God, God, what are you wanting me to give this year? I'm talking from the leaders down. God, what are you wanting me to give? For some of you, it might be 50 bucks, 100, 1,000. Now, listen, don't be one of those people, God called me to give a billion dollars because you're going to throw the math all off for us. I'm not saying don't have faith, but what I am saying is don't try to show off either. I'm saying whatever you put your name to, and here, if you want to be bold, put your name next to your number. I asked Gio, I was like, should I have them write their name? He's like, some of the people may not do it, but those probably are the people that weren't going to give anyways. I'm like, it's probably true. <laughs> you know, I don't need your name. As a matter of fact, don't do it because I don't want you to be like, I said I was going to give this much. That's between you and God. But don't sit in your seat either. Even if all you write down is 10 bucks, you better be faithful to that 10 bucks. But you know what? Honestly, I've seen you guys give almost $20,000. I know you're capable of it if you're willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. And so in the past, I gave you our goal. Tonight, you're going to give us our goal. So I'm going to ask you, just find a place and all across this room. You know, matter of fact, as we begin to play, would you just wander around for a moment? Just don't leave. Find a place, really pray. And one by one, as the Lord leads you, there's some markers up here. Just write it down. And when you're done writing, just go back into prayer because you're going to need God's help to do that. But right now, would you just begin to find a quiet place and would you just begin to talk to the Lord? I want you to be serious. Really take this moment seriously. Some of you are like, I can't. Well, you know what? Maybe if you stop buying drugs, you could. <laughs> Maybe if you stop uh, subscribing to that video game, you could. Maybe you got to end your PS4 subscription for a few months and you'll pay for it. Maybe you don't get the new video game. Maybe you offer your birthday present. But I really want you to ask God, God, give me a number. Give me a number. What am I supposed to give this year? What am I supposed to give? We've got about four or five minutes. What am I supposed to give, Lord? Yes, Jesus. Speak to them, God. Speak to them, Lord. Speak to them, Lord, Jesus. Speak, Lord. Speak, Father. Open our hearts, God. Let us be bold in this, God. Challenge us, Lord. Challenge us, Father. Help us to not have a poor man's mentality, Lord. Help us to not pretend as if we don't serve the owner of a thousand cattle on a hill, God. You are rich beyond measure, Lord. You provide. Help us, Heavenly Father. Help us, Lord, to not worry about what we don't have and focus on what you've given us, God, the abilities, the talents, the finances, the things you've already provided. Lord, there's so many of us that are going to be praying for scholarships and money for college. Lord, help us understand that we can't expect generosity when we're not generous. To put you first, Lord. Help us, Lord. Remind us that we can never outgive you. That it always comes back around. That generosity always comes back around. I'm going to ask you all if you can then come over and just kind of come in front of the board and just extend your, heart, your hand out towards it. Don't touch it because we don't want to smudge stuff, but come in close and we're just going to pray over this. We're going to believe God for this miracle. We're going to believe that God would provide a way. I know not everybody wrote something down and, and that's okay. Uh, I don't want you to stop praying. Maybe tomorrow the Lord will prompt you. Maybe as the year goes on. Maybe God will give you a greater goal. Maybe God will lower, whatever. We're going to trust God for this. But I'm going to ask, would you all just extend your hand out towards this? Would you just begin to pray? Come on, right where you're at. Would you just begin to pray? Ask God to provide. Ask God to, to make a way to give you the ideas, to give you supernatural faith. Ask God to open the door. God, I just ask you that you please just give us the courage, God. I ask you that you give us the boldness so that we won't be shy, God, so that whatever it is that you put in our hearts, that we'll do it, God, that we won't doubt ourselves. I ask you that you please just make us confident, God, because you know that we sometimes get shy and we care about what people say. But I just ask you that you please just silence those voices and that the only voice we could hear is yours. I ask you that you please just... Help us so that we can remain faithful to that.
gold and that we won't care about the praise or anything else that comes with it, God, that we would just care to glorify your name, God, in your name we pray, amen. Amen. Now listen, before we dismiss, thank you. Let me just give you a couple instructions with this, okay? Rule number one, you're not allowed to ask your parents for money. You already ask them for enough things. This is not one of them, okay? Number two, don't just go around door to door asking people for money. Okay, that's just, that's just easy. Earn it. You don't have to do crazy things. My wife earned $500 for last year's children's ministry for Josie because she drew cards and she wrote verses on them and she sold them for five bucks. Cards. And you know what's crazy? The majority of the people who bought them weren't even Christians. There were people at her mom's job and people, there were just people who loved what she was doing and were willing to step up and help. So don't worry about, oh, that's not a good idea. If it's your idea, it's your idea. Some of them may be more successful in your eyes than others. But if you want to sell brownies, if you want to, you know, make tie-dye shirts, if you want to make an arts and crafts night with your family and then sell it to your extended family, if you want to, you know, get your mom to cook a rocangandula for somebody and sell it for 40 bucks, do what you got to do. Hustle it up. But please don't beg for money because we're not beggars. Okay, we're going to work for it. You know, if the snow comes and you want to ask your neighbors, hey, I'll shovel your snow for 10 bucks. It goes towards missions. Would you let me shovel your snow? I knew a kid who knocked on the door and the lady gave him $50,000 for doing the snow shovel. Man, you never know whose door you're knocking on. But if you're willing to trust God, it would have never happened if you didn't knock on the door and ask, can I shovel your snow for 20 bucks? So come up with creative ideas. Challenge each other. Talk to each other. Small groups is going to kick off. We got a few small group competitions that are going to be going on to see which small group can raise the most money. But it's not about competition and this and that. If God got your heart, then he'll provide a way for you to do this. Just remember, we're not beggars, and we're not going to overtax mom and dad. Okay, this is your responsibility. You ask God how to do it. We'll help you. Listen, if you're like, hey, I need... 50 bucks, Pastor, to get the supplies, and then I'm, I'm willing to help you. We'll, we'll figure out a way. Now, if you're like, hey, I need 50 grand to get some construction paper, I'm going to be like, you a hustler, but you ain't that good a hustler. <laughs> okay? And listen, we got all year. So don't worry if you don't reach your goal in a month. You just got to trust God and believe in him. Amen? Thank you, guys. God bless you. I love you. Let's start talking afterward ideas. Talk to your leaders. Let them know. Keep somebody accountable. Tell somebody what God challenged you to do. Have some accountability and watch what God will do. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you on Sunday.